All right now, boys and girls, we've got another story for you now. We want to introduce to you another friend of the Bible. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Hell yeah! If I were God, there would be no explicit sex on TV. psychedelics. So tune in and have a good time. Hope you enjoy it. Guys, uh, thanks for joining us for Constant Confusion, episode number four. And as you heard from the intro, we have the amazing, the ever-loving, and the always funny Keith Spurlock on. Keith, how you doing, buddy? Not bad. How's it going, man? Living the fucking dream, bro. That's how I'm doing. So, uh, before we get too deep into things. Uh, how's the comedy coming, dude? I mean, I've been watching you on YouTube, and uh, for those of you who don't know, you can follow Keith on uh, Twitter at Keith Spurlock one 
And you can also search him on uh, YouTube by doing the same thing, and you can see all of his comedy sets. And I must say, dude, you look real comfortable up there. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Every, everything's going well so far. Like, I've got nothing but good reviews. I mean, I've got a few pointers from people, but... Uh, Burt Kreischer? Well, yeah. I, I, I got to talk to him for a while, and uh, he said... Uh, he said a few good things, like, and I actually didn't follow his advice in my last set, which was he wanted me to get a tight 10 down, but I do the same. I'm in an area where there's no other open mic comedy, no other stand-up. Me and another friend of mine made our own, like, we talked to a, a pool hall owner. They have bands every once in a while, so we got them to do comedy. And uh, so from that, we ended up getting booked for every other month. So I felt like I couldn't tell the same jokes to the same people. Because right now, the people that are coming to the show are either my friends or his friends. So you're seeing a regular crowd that, that they're not necessarily paying to see comedy. They're, they're coming in to do other things. Well, they're, they're coming in to support their friends. Okay. They're, you know, they're coming to see comedy, but, you know, they're coming because their friend is doing the show. Mm-hmm. And luckily, I have enough friends around here because this is the area I grew up in that, uh, you know, I can at least book a show and at least get, you know, between me and my other friend, get at least 50 people plus into the show. That's pretty strong, dude. I mean, but, between between the two of you getting 50 people, that's pretty fucking strong, considering the fact that you look at uh, Gotham in New York only holds 300, and you're getting a sixth of that. That's pretty fucking strong. Well, our last show, we at least got 70-plus people in, and that was just me and my friend, uh, Tom Warner, who does the shows with me. Is, is that and, the guy who uh, brings you on stage? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he he MCs the shows. Nice. But I had only done one set before, and then that night I did two ten-minute sets, and I only used like one joke per set from my original set, and it wasn't even the same. Like I don't know. I I kind of feel shitty because I don't write enough, but so far, like I have enough stories of of fucked up shit that's happened in my life. And I feel like I've always been a storyteller, so I can tell those stories, you know. Definitely. Like, and, and I, I mean, that's that's one of the things that I was wondering, like, as an aspiring stand-up, how my issue is writing, right? Uh, <clears throat> I can write things all day long, right? What What I believe to be a decent joke in my head but then whenever I read it out loud, it doesn't quite come out the same. And not only that, but you also have to think about transitions, you know, and, and how, to, how to move from one joke to the next or one, not even a joke, but from one topic to the next. So how, how did, I mean, you've been on stage three or four times now. How, how have you learned how to do that? Uh, you know, I would say the best uh, transitions I did were in my first set. But, I mean, I've just listened to comedy forever. Of course, of I, course. So, 
you you learn like I had a bunch of joke premises, and then I I thought out how I was going to say them, and then I thought, how could I take this into the next one? Did you think and it or did you write it? I I thought it. Like, see, that's I, how I that's how I am, and and I'm like, man, I, I fit Joe and you know everybody, Ari. You know, they're always talking about how you should always be writing, right? And I uh, I get frustrated because, I mean, I can write. Don't get me wrong. I can write a story. Like, there's no Red Band doesn't write. Yeah, really? Red Band doesn't write. And, and, he, uh, and Joe says that he's been funnier than ever. I mean, some people can and some people, you know, I can write. And like, I, I like to write out a bit if I... If I really want to remember it, I'll write it out, even yeah. though I won't say it the exact same way I wrote it out. But I just like to write it out so it's more ingrained into my memory. You know, see it, Definitely. read it, write it, you remember. Now, so I'll write, I'll write, I'll write out the premise and I'll write out what I want in the joke. And there will be certain lines in there that I know that I'll put in, but I can just make the rest of it mine. Because I've lived it. Yeah. And, now, and that's, that's a good way to start is tell shit that's happened in your life that you can put a funny spin on. And then from there, like writing, you know, you can already write good jokes, but if you can tell good jokes. Oh, exactly. There's a, and there's a, there's a huge difference between writing and telling. That's, that's why you have certain people writing behind the scenes and certain people getting on stage and, and actually doing the jokes. Now, well, that's. Writer and performer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so my question to you is, I've always, I've, I've never had a problem, like, talking in front of people. I've never had any issues with uh, public speaking or, you know, getting people on my side if I were, I mean, I've been in sales for, you know, eight, nine years now. Speaking is not the issue. Uh I I often wonder, you know, if if I got up on stage, you know, should I just go off the cuff or should I, you know, do what I had written? No, what I suggest is really writing out, like, a little bit of notes, like, uh, but a three-line summary. Like a little outline. What, yeah, even a three-word. Like, yeah. just write three words of what you really want to hit in that joke. Yeah. And then just work that joke out in your head and keep telling it to yourself or telling it to friends. Like, yeah. I, you know, I've used podcasts for jokes. Definitely. You know, I, I've told jokes on, on different podcasts, like especially any uh, time I've been on with Ray. Yeah. I've, wor- I've worked out at least one bit on there, and if, and if they thought it was funny – and I had told it to other friends, and they kind of thought it was funny, I would definitely use it. So, but, uh, go for it. Uh, all I was going to say is, like, using shit that has happened in your life and that you can tell as a first person, like, if you can make your friends laugh, that's good. That's a really good start to it. And then you just have to generalize it as to... You don't. These people don't know you, yeah. so you can't use any inside jokes. Sometimes you really have to lay, you know, 
if you give them a premise, then you need to explain the premise to them so they get it before you tell the joke. And sometimes it makes it funnier. Yeah. So, you know. So just break everything down. Yeah. You, you want them to really get it. And then that also gives you more time to, like, throw in a, a few lines in between. Like, say, you know, you're talking about a certain sexual act. And then be like, and if you don't know what that is, and yeah. then explain what exactly what it is, and then mm-hmm. use it. Yeah. And then you could take take that road to make another joke to get back to the original premise. And then, yeah, and then and then you can work it back. But I mean, not you know, not just with that, but with anything. Yeah, of course. You really want you really want to feed it to them, and then lead them down the path right after. Definitely. And and I I feel like that's you know that's something that I've tried to use. Even though, I mean, if you really look like. My sets are all right, but I'm really in over my head. Like, I've never had open mic. I did a 10-minute my first time ever of, and I did two 10-minutes the second time I was ever of. Let me ask you this. Um, You said that, I mean, you obviously live in Ohio, right? Yeah. Okay. So you said that there's not a lot of places to go out there. Yeah. you're trying to drum up your own business, basically, right? Pretty much. Okay. So if you could pick one city that you could go to to do your comedy, where would it be? There's, an, there's nowhere in Ohio that's really good. I no, mean, no, I mean, not Ohio. I mean, in the nation. Oh, in the nation? Well, I mean, my my plan, especially since uh, Joe used to live in Denver and I've been out there, and I know it's a good comedy scene. Was to move there, and I mean, now that now that certain votes have happened, whoop whoop. E- even before then, I didn't care. Like I have enough medical issues where that was yeah. that wasn't gonna. I've flown out of my vehicle headfirst and slid to a stop on my face two years ago. Like. Two weeks ago it would have been two years. So, so you don't you don't have any issues getting a medical card. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. No. So no, now I live in Denver now, and uh, <clears throat> it is one of I I mean I don't know you know as far as club and you know comedian and things like that, but it's it's pretty difficult to get on stage up here or out here because there's so many fucking people doing it. And there's actually a waiting list to get on open mics, and uh, that's what I'm dealing with now. And that's why I'm—that's one of the reasons that I'm excited that you fucking called in because, you know, to be able to talk to you and you know you're about three months ahead of me in this process, and uh, you know I—the only thing I can do is come up with shit in my head over and over and over and just replay it and try to refine it. But then every time I write it down. It just doesn't sound right. You know what? I've written all the or half of the jokes that I've told on stage out, and I never tell them exactly how I've written them. So do you just get up there and and feel the flow? I I have a set list, and I'll write. I always write it down. And if you watch in all my things, I've even pulled my notepad out. Yeah, like I have a small little little like. 
three by four notepad. And I just write out, like I said, three, three word paraphrases for every bit. And then from that, I've told myself that story in my head a million times or written it out to where I know what to tell. But so I'll have to look at it. So is it just to remind you? It's just to remind me. Okay. But, but that's, that, and that's also how I, I put a flow into it. Because I, I want to tell this, and then I'm going to tell this, and that kind of translates to this, so I'll say something that, that moves this to this. That was going to be my next question was, how do you decide which, you know, you, in order, you know? You just have to use common sense. Like, yeah. say, say you want to start, you want to start strong. So you tell a real decent joke you have, and yeah. then you say, "What? What else do I have?" Because I write a lot of notes, so I have, you, you know, you, you got to write like thirty things to pick five things from. Of course. And then you take those, you know, you say, "Okay, I've got this. Now I could move that. This would be really funny right after this." Yeah. So, and I can, you know, you translate that into the next story. And then you say that, and then, you, you know, you kind of write that out in your head. Or at least that's how I do it. And so most pe- for most people, they want to write it out more. And I don't, you know, I should write more than I do. I, uh, yeah, I, I'm kind of uh, on the fence as far as that uh, subject goes because, like I said, I, I feel like I do the best writing in my head, you know? And, uh. So whenever I actually put pen to paper, it, it's pretty much only to memorize it, you know. So Keith, when were you? Uh, when did you first decide that this is something that you wanted to take on? I've secretly wanted to do this forever, and then I think within the last three years, I've started to tell people and be like. You know, if I had if I had my pick of jobs, I'd want to be a stand-up comic. And people were like, oh, yeah, whatever. And I'm like, yeah, no. <laughs> and uh, I, I, only laughed, I only laughed because I'm in the same fucking boat, dude. Uh, about a year and a half ago, I started telling people, this is what I want to do. Like, that's what I want to do. And I understand that it takes 10, 10 to 12 years to even get decent at it, you know? But, man, and to be 32 years old and uh, and just now realize, I mean, obviously, you know, I, I grew up watching Eddie and Richard and George and, you know, fucking Dice Clay and uh, everybody. I mean, so I was always interested, you know, but I never, there was never anybody saying, yeah, you should do that, you know. Because who the fuck is going to say, yeah, you should just go get on stage and get paid nothing, you know? Yeah. Like, how, how proud are your parents going to be? <laughs> right? Like, uh, and what's funny is when I uh, I told my stepmom that I did stand-up, and she saw the video, and she started telling her friends, yeah, he's funny, you know? He's going <laughs> to be famous one day. I'm like, oh, shit, what the... Like I thought, I thought for sure they were gonna be like, "What the fuck?" But I mean, here's the thing: I worked the last ten years in factory. I, I, you know, I had a really good job in my last factory, 
And I actually, I'm one of the only people I know that has ever got a promotion and fired in the same day. That's pretty fancy, dude. You know, I, I was working as a prototype technician, which is a fancy word for a... Uh, Shit that doesn't exist. Slave. I would make, like, a breaking fuel lines for cars that they hadn't made yet. So, uh, in other words, shit that doesn't exist yet. Yeah. Yeah. I would, someone hand me a drawing and I would make that. Manufacture? Yes. Okay. I would, I had, I did welding and shit like that too. Okay. So, I, I did that for like eight years and I liked my job, but the management sucked like any other company, and then our company got bought out by a Japanese company, which made everything suck even way worse. Like, so I saw half of our jobs get shipped in Mexico. Like, Were you working for, oh, you you were working for a Japanese company? Well, it, it originally was a joint venture, a U.S. and Japanese company, and then the Japanese just bought out the U.S. side. Okay. And then it became an entirely Japanese company. Gotcha. And that's all the fun fucking stuff. Well, were you guys actually producing cars or just producing, no, like, prototype? No, lines. Okay. We made, we made the tubing and then uh, other plants that we had, Bennett, like, so the breaking fuel lines for any Hondas okay. were probably <laughs> made from our company. Were the Toyota brake lines made by you guys? Uh, no. <laughs> I was about to say because the Toyota brakes went out for a long time. Yeah, that wasn't. It could have been you just stoned trying to figure shit out. No. Well, <laughs> yeah, we had plenty of problems at work of, like, shit, our printer for the, the layouts we made everything from was fucked for, like, a year. So everything was, like, three millimeters off <laughs> of the specs, but it was perfect for us. And you know what? Everything passed. So, like, I don't, it's all bullshit, man. For sure. So your family sees that, your stepmother sees this this video and says that you're the next fucking Joey Coco Diaz. She's hoping. Yeah. And, and she's like, oh, you're going to be famous. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm just hoping to make a living. If I can make, if I can make $20,000 a year. That's it. That's all I need. That's it. I, <laughs> I will fucking live in my car for twenty grand just to make people laugh. Fuck it. I don't make care. Make people laugh, travel around, smoke good weed, hang out with cool people, especially with this Death Squad Nation that's, that's uh, come about. Uh, speaking of which, uh, why don't you give us a little insight onto this fucking camping trip that you guys took? Oh, Jesus. Shout out to Izzy Rock. Yeah, the, the camping trip was... Uh, it was something that Izzy and Jason knows us Hannah, we're talking about. And then I jumped into the conversation. I'm like, yeah, I want to go. And then they were looking for a place. And my friend had a, has a place. Like, his family owns, like, 40 acres. And it used to be a Girl Scout camp. And it's out in the middle of nowhere. Nice. So I'm like, I got a place. And... Both Izzy and Jason were all freaked out. They're like, oh. you know, they thought this was just like a campground. Where I'm like, hey, I I got a I got a place where we can camp. And I'm like, no, this is in the middle of nowhere. And they're like, okay. 
and they both really doubted me the entire time. Like, where is this? Until they finally, they came and picked me up, and we went down there. And before we got there, they were both like, uh, where the fuck are we? And I'm like, all right, yeah, we're about there. <laughs> now we have to drive a mile back into this woods. <laughs> and they were like, oh, all right, now I get it. So, yeah, we we all went out there, and uh, I don't know. We all had a really good time. I heard that there were, uh, and you don't have to elaborate, but uh, I heard that there were some experiences to be had. Oh, yes. And uh, by far, uh, well, I I will say that I went to outer space, and uh, I talked to a few people, and then I came back, and then... And then I went to lower orbit after so that. So that took like ten minutes, and then you came back and. And, and but then but then I went into lower orbit for the, about the next six hours. Nice. And uh, but it was weird going from uh, I don't know Pluto back to lower orbit without being regular in between. Yeah. I don't know. See. <clears throat> The first time I did mushrooms was uh, in December of this past year, and I was 31 years old, and I didn't know what the fuck to expect of it, you know? And uh, I took probably like an eighth, you know, and shoved them on a peanut butter sandwich. Well, I took one piece of bread, a thin thing of peanut butter, put the mushrooms on there, folded the piece of bread over, and crammed it down my mouth and damn near fucking puked. But, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah that probably wasn't the best idea. But, no, I, I always put it on peanut butter sandwich, <laughs> but it, it always makes me want to fucking throw up. My body knows. I was like, <laughs> and uh, then I, I felt like I had to shit, so I sat on the toilet and yeah, the, yeah. the unfortunate thing is, is that I had just watched uh, Inception. Oh, that's a bad idea. Yeah, well, I didn't think that, <laughs> right? So... <laughs> or she should watch The Matrix and take mushrooms for the first time. <laughs> well, I took a... Uh, well, the thing about... Have you, wait, all right, you, that's the first time you take a mushroom. Have you ever had acid? No, I've never done acid. Oh, so this is the first time you've tripped ever. I mean, I've done ecstasy and... Well, that's... Yeah, that's different. Like, yeah, it's definitely different. It's it's way fucking different. Like, <laughs> it's way different. But the, uh, the thing is, is I was sitting on the toilet and watching Inception was not the best idea because if in the movie, if he wakes up, he dies, right? So I'm sitting there on the toilet thinking, okay... The shit is never going to come out of my ass. I think I'm just going to die, right? And so then, you know, thoughts start fucking spinning through my head about how I can change this. If I can get up and do something, you know, and, like, touch a doorknob, then I can know it's reality, right? Well, that's fucking bullshit because you can't get up while you're shitting. So (laughs) it just doesn't work that way. Long story short, uh, I'm trapped. Well, I wasn't trapped, but I didn't leave the bedroom 
with me and Monica thinking that uh, everything was just so fucking loud, right? Because your senses are so heightened, you know? Your sense of, of hearing, your sense of sight, your sense of smell, everything is so heightened. And so she would be like, Chuck, okay. And I'd be like, shut the fuck up, stop yelling! Right? <laughs> like, it, it may have just been that I just took way too much for my first time too quickly. Plus, I was hammered drunk before that. Oh, yeah. Now, that's, that's where you went wrong, brother. You can't go hammered drunk into that. But uh, I will tell you my first experience with psychedelics. I was 17. I was about to go on a date with a girl who was four years older than me. Why not date a 21-year-old? Uh, <laughs> she, she is now a lesbian. By the thanks, way, thanks to you and your psychedelic experience, I doubt it. <laughs> but we were supposed to go to the movies, and I had bought a hit acid, a red gel cap, off of uh, off of some dude who I later was in jail with. But that's another story. Uh, but I take this thing before about a half hour before I'm supposed to get picked up by these two girls. And then my best friend is uh, going out with her good friend is how I got hooked up. So I take this hit, and I don't know what to expect. And I'm by myself. No one else has any acid. I thought this was going to be something that that I could just do. Have you seen – you ever watch uh, Always Sunny? Yes. Have you seen that – I watched the episode today called – the gang is invincible where they do the, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles tryout and Frank, Frank, uh, Frank goes, Hey Charlie, you feeling anything? He's like, no, I'm just drinking beer. Why would I feel anything? He goes, cause I put a shit ton of acid in your beer. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all I can think about. Like whenever you're telling this acid story, I'm like, dude, I'm sure that it's great. I mean, I've never done it. But, I mean, just the word acid kind of bothers me. Now, so... Go for it. Sorry, my, sorry. My first time, I, uh, like I said, these girls came to pick me up, and I'm like, I just hate some acid. And they were both like, oh, shit. <laughs> Which made me go... Oh, shit. (laughs) But, and they're like, you're not going to want to go watch a movie. And I'm like, no, I'm good. And then my friend, my best friend, uh, shows up like an hour and a half late, as he always does. And uh, we miss the movie. So we just go to a house party. And I don't really know the people there. And then the acid hits. And it I took two hear, hours. No, it was, it was literally about an hour. Okay. Before it really hit, like so, like we he was at over a half hour late, so we missed the start of the movie. So we just went to the house party. So we go there, and then it hits, me. and I can hear 
I don't know, five different conversations while watching TV right. and paying attention to this card game that's going on in front of me. While, oh, my God, there's kind of spiders grow, walking on the guy's face on TV. That doesn't make any sense, but I could deal with that, too. And then by the end of it, like, I had told everyone there that I was on acid, so they didn't freak out if I looked right. like I was retarded. I was only 17, and everyone else there was, you know, a little bit older than I was. But they had never tried it, and they were asking me all sorts of questions about it. Well, at one point, it was so intense that I went and laid in the other room face down on the carpet, and just and I could hear everyone talking about me. <laughs> That's always good. And I was like, I can hear you. You not understand that I can hear everything right now? Like, that's the only way I could explain that. I'm like, I hear everything. Yeah, you hear everything, but were you actually saying, I can hear you, or are you just laying there thinking, I can hear you? No. No, I was saying it. Oh, okay. Because and, and then they would all start laughing, and they would be like, <laughs> You I know I can hear you. Yeah, <laughs> like, I didn't, he could hear us. And I'm like, I can still hear you again. <laughs> I seriously can hear everything right now. That's the only way I can explain this. Right. And, like, so finally I start coming down back to where it's just like mushrooms, too, where, like, on your way up, you feel really intensely, like, anxious. And, uh, like, that's why you were trying to poop. Yeah. It's the the nervous poop. Yeah. Like, so you, you were having that, like, it's the anxious feeling. And then once that finally peaks out to where, like, you can overcome being anxious, you can finally talk again in, in a normal, like, you really actually speak better than you you normally do. You're clear. And you're, yeah, it's, it's a very clear feeling in your head. So, but, like, I don't know, like, I've done a lot of acid, and then I did <laughs> shitload of ecstasy and I've done a lot of mushrooms in between and then in recent times I've got to try some DMT so like I've been there like I don't really like coke or meth or anything like that I've tried a few of them so I haven't once it's uh I've never uh I mean, I've done coke, but I've I've never done like any meth or uh, <clears throat> like I'm ADD, so <clears throat> doing that shit does nothing for me, you know. It, it just anyway. <clears throat> point being is that yeah, I uh, I would love to do acid once, you know, just to see what it's like, but. I don't feel like that's where I would like to reside. You know what I mean? Well, you, you know, like, you have to get good shit. Like, the the difference between, like, acid gets a bad rap because there was a lot of dirty shit laid out by people who didn't really know what they what they were doing. I, I think I think that's I've had the, really, really good acid, and I've had really, really shitty acid that made me feel like shit. Well, see, and and I I think that's why I never tried it, because of the uh, constant, you know, thought of you're going to get bad shit, you know. And whenever I was in the Navy, 
uh, I was stationed up in Seattle, and this was late 90s and uh, early 2000s, whenever, you know, they... That would have been the perfect time to do acid up in Seattle, and you missed that. Well, see... That would have been the time where there wasn't dirty fucking shit. Well, all I did was a shit ton of pure MDMA, like... I didn't know about that shit until... Well, see, and they were they were like just pumping it out up there like like it was nothing, and uh, so I could get it and I had a homeboy where I could get it for fucking five dollars a fucking uh, a pill you know and so you know I'd give him a hundred bucks and everybody on the ship would get high you know so I'd. Uh, before we'd go out to sea, I'd buy like a hundred fucking, a hundred tabs and, and just make sure that I had enough for the six month spirit or for the six month, uh, voyage. Well, it's not called a voyage, it's called a pack. But anyway, it's only called a voyage if you pay for it. Anyway, so I got all this ecstasy and I was on the Indian Ocean, okay, where the seas are like 30 to 35 feet, and you're just going up and down, up and down, left and right, left and right, up and down, but it's also the clearest sky you've ever seen in your life, and I'm rolling balls sitting on the fucking deck trying to figure shit out, so I uh, I don't know where I'm going with this story, but... <laughs> But I like to roll balls when yeah. I was in Well, no, actually, I haven't done it. I haven't done it in, like, six years. But, I mean. I, I I was doing a lot of it for a while, and I'd actually, I went past the, the good feeling, like, to where I would take it and then just be like, I don't know. There was no more serotonin left in my brain. No, for real. I, and, and that's... <clears throat> It's exactly the way I looked at it, and so, so then wasn't uh, happy anymore. Monica asked me, "Do you want to take mushrooms?" I was like, "Well, I don't know, I don't know." And then I heard Joe and Ari talk about. It. I was like, "Fuck it, let's do it, right?" So she shoves, okay, she shoves the uh, mushrooms themselves into a plastic bag, ties it off, burns it off, right? Then crams it in her pussy. Because, here's the deal. At the time, I lived in Dallas. She lived in Denver, right? I was like, I don't know where to get fucking mushrooms, right? And plus, even if I did, I'm not going to trust the motherfuckers. So if you know somebody, and if you trust them, then bring them down. So, she shoves the fucking mushrooms in her pussy and fucking walks through TSA like nothing happened. And then I see her get off the plane and then she walked straight to the bathroom to pull it out of her fucking twat, right? <laughs> and so then she puts it, she puts it on a fucking peanut butter sandwich for me, and I flip balls. But whatever. So, <laughs> so yes, I eat pussy. So yeah, well, there you go. That's a, that's a that's a bet for your first fucking. <laughs> oh, I was like, really? Use true love shit, and you can tell it the best. I mean, I gave, <laughs> oh, Jesus. I gave her a little kiss, and, and then she was like, I gotta go to the bathroom. 
I was like, for what? She goes, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I understand. Go. <laughs> she pulls the plastic bag out of her cooter and calls it good. So, ladies, if you want to fucking figure out how to smuggle drugs, put it in your pussy. The pussy is or the safest it, place. Or Joey Diaz, put it under your balls. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know too many people <laughs> who want to smell my smelly balls, much less. Not, I love Uncle Joey, don't get me wrong. But he's a big fella, and I don't think anybody wants to smell his balls. I know. No one wants to smell his balls. <laughs> I, I, know, I know someone who uh, Hold went on. to Amsterdam. Hold on. Talk about this story. I'm going to go pee. I'll be back in 30 seconds. Go. I know someone that went to Amsterdam and came back and taped some hash under the ball. And so when they got back, they, they kept bragging about how they, they had brought back a part of Amsterdam. I actually didn't get to smoke any of the ball hash, but the ball hash was enjoyed by many of my friends, and they said it was delicious. So there's a great deal of people out there who have smoked. Weed and or hash that has been hidden in someone's balls. I probably have two, but I don't know. Alright, maybe it was more than 30 seconds. My dick is bigger than I thought. But anyway. Uh, if that, that was true, you would have just thrown it in the bathroom from where you were sitting. I got like... <laughs> I got like 28 feet. I can't throw it that far. Anyway, hey, uh, not to break up the conversation with yourself, but uh, ladies and gentlemen, we have a new kitten. I don't know if you saw that on Twitter, but her name is Shiva, and she's a little fucking cunt. Okay? Uh, this cat likes to bite shit. She likes to fucking scratch shit. Uh, we took her to the vet for her first shots. And the vet said she was opinionated. Okay? That's a nice way of saying your cat's a cunt. Okay? Because <laughs> she goes, well, she wouldn't let her cut her, she wouldn't let us cut her nails. She also wouldn't let us do the fecal sample. She also wouldn't let us do this. I was like, well, no shit. You're trying to shove things up her ass, clean her fucking nails. Come on. Of course she's not going to like that. She's eight weeks old. But anyways, she's a huge cunt, but she's awesome. She's uh, she's pretty friendly. She, our uh, Monica's nephew has a pit bull, and he brought the pit over to her parents' house, and uh, the pit came right up to Shiva, and Shiva just started latching on and fucking that asshole up, dude. Eight weeks old. Doesn't give a shit. Fuck life. Anyways. That's survival. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. But, I mean, I wasn't about to let, you know, I wasn't about to let Hercules fuck up Shiva at all, you know. I mean, we had both of them on leashes and all that, but still just my little thug. What side? You know? So, uh... How the fuck are those squirrels in your backyard doing? 
Dude, it's, it's getting ridiculous right now because it's fall, and they're all getting fat for their uh, little winter solstice, whatever they're doing. But I was just joking the other day on how uh, I have a million squirrels in my backyard. There are, there are links. Like, if you get to my comedy on YouTube, there's squirrel videos. So where can people and, find where can people find your YouTube channel? Wait, it's Keith Spurlock. There you go. You know, but it, it still seems hard to find. Like even if you type that in. Like, well, I'll put it. I'll put it in the uh, the notes for the uh, episode. So hopefully, I don't know. The uh, four people who listen to this will be able to fucking click on it and check it out. Right on. But anyways, no babies. No, I I've never seen a goddamn baby squirrel. Have you ever seen a baby squirrel? I've seen chipmunks. That's not a baby squirrel. That's an entirely different animal. It is, and and the thing is, even in the trees, I've never seen a baby squirrel. Like I should, I, there's trees everywhere where all these squirrels are at. Why don't I see a small baby squirrel scurrying around a tree? I'm outside a lot. Maybe they. Fuck, dude. I, I, I should probably do more research into uh, squirrel behavior and squirrel reproduction cycles, but I don't know, dude. Because here in Denver, you can fucking hold, like, anything. You can hold a piece of grass in your hand, and a squirrel will come up and fucking take it from you. Like, oh, A squirrel tried to attack me and Joe in my backyard one day. But my my neighborhood, like, we have black squirrels, and we have gray squirrels, and then we have, like, the regular, like, reddish squirrel. Yeah. So, but still, it's it's thug life in my neighborhood, (laughs) black squirrel neighborhood, and they don't take no fucking shit from no one. Right. Well, like, a black squirrel ran on me and Joe one day, and I was like, holy shit, and I I jumped away, and she was like... Did you pull out your cat? I'm not strapped up in, up in Ohio right now. You got black squirrels. You better carry a gat, son. I've, I've walked into my backyard with a black squirrel on a tree, and it started chattering at me and my friend. And I looked at him, and I go, you got to grow up hard to live in a back black squirrel neighborhood. I mean, you have to. I mean, how, how is a black squirrel any different from a black person at these at this point, you know? Wait, here's, here's the fucked up part. <laughs> I kid. I kid. No. McMurphy, I kid. Here's so, the fucked up part. They're way smaller than all the other squirrels. But they still run but they, shit. But they still run shit. They're, they're way smaller. They're like the, but, uh, the, uh, the mafia. The, uh, <clears throat> what's his fucking, what's his dick? God damn it. Uh, some, Never the the some Rick Ross. No. <laughs> God damn it. Whatever. Anyway, I'll think of it later and I'll add it in later. But uh, <laughs> anyways, anything else you want to cover, bro? Because I'm pretty much spent. What What about uh, legalization in Colorado? Oh, bam. Yes. Uh. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't heard, uh. The states of Colorado and Washington State, not D.C., but Washington State, 
have legalized the recreational use of marijuana for anyone over the age anyone over the age of 21 okay i mean the the thing that really bothers me is that like i look on twitter and you know i don't just uh I don't just follow my timeline. You know, I'll look up uh, hashtags and keywords and things like that. And you got like 17-year-olds talk about, I'm going to move to Colorado. I don't really see how that's going to benefit you. I mean, just because we made it, and I say we because I did vote, uh, just because we made it legal for people to smoke recreationally doesn't mean that we think it's okay for kids to smoke, you know? I mean, who in their right mind thinks that by passing a regulate marijuana-like alcohol bill that it's going to provide more access to children? That's fucking retarded, okay? When was the last time you saw a four-year-old walk in and buy a 40 at a liquor store? Well, here's the way I'll put it. I was able to get alcohol before I was old enough to get alcohol. Okay. Right? Were, were you, you? Old enough? Were you old enough to get, or were you, were you able to get pot before you were old enough to drive? No. No. Well, see, I uh, I grew up in Hawaii. Well, I grew up in Texas and Hawaii. But no, if I if I would have been into it at that point, yes, I could have. Exactly. That's but that's I just wasn't into it. Well that's that's my entire point is is that just because you don't have an ID doesn't mean you can't fucking get it. Exactly. And and that's like like everything. I, I could buy cigarettes when I was fifteen. Exactly. Like, I, I bought cigarettes off of a fucking ice cream truck in Hawaii whenever I was 14 years old. And then I'd walk two blocks over and pick up a dime. Yeah. But th that's not because I, like, oh, this is so hard to explain. It had everything to do with who I knew, okay, and what crowd I was running with. It had nothing to do with the accessibility of marijuana. Yeah, the, the law would have nothing to do with it, and it wouldn't make it more accessible for kids because, just like I said, you're you're not going to want to, unless you were going to do it anyway, you wouldn't want to try it. And you would, I, there's just as much weed out there anyway because of the medical, and even before medical was available, like I live in the middle of nowhere, and I can always get really good weed. The only thing that really changed was the quality. That's the only thing that really changed. The quality and the price. Because you look at, I grew up in, in Hawaii and Texas, and growing up in Texas, all I got was just Mexican swag. You know? And, and shit has been dirt. stepped on, and, and, and it, it was probably transported in a fucking gas tank. And so whenever you smoke it, you get that fucking gas flavor. Ever get the shit that was in a PVC pipe? Oh, yeah. That's, that's it came all... out in a cylinder. <laughs> oh, and it tasted so bad. So my point being is that if they were to say heroin is legal tomorrow, that doesn't mean that I'm going to go and run to get heroin, okay? 
I have get out of your yeah. mind. I mean, people who are not interested in said drug will not run out to try it just because it's legal. The only reason they say it's a gateway drug is because here's the whole story of it. Reefer you, ha- you have to go. No, it's you have to go to a guy who sells illegal shit to get your weed. You yeah. get your weed. And then said guy who sells shit might also be in the business of selling something else because it's also an illicit substance. And it's profitable. People can't get it. And then if you were like, hey, can I get some weed? And he's like, would you also like some of this? Well, see, if I just wanted weed, I would have never had to go to a guy who was offering If it was weed. legal. Said other substance, which I really wouldn't want. But because that would be the only way weed would be a, a gateway drug. Because, you know what? I smoked cigarettes and I drank beer before I ever smoked weed. You and I both. So if you want to call gateway drug anything, it's alcohol and tobacco. There you go. Nicotine is the worst gateway there is. The devil. I fucking... I mean, if I could quit smoking right now, if I could just, you know, snap my fingers and quit smoking, I would. But the, the thing is, I mean, I hate the way it makes my clothes smell. I hate the way it makes me smell. I hate, like, if I'm going for a job interview, I don't smoke for, like, like, after I take a shower and get ready, I don't smoke because I don't want to smell like smoke, you know? And... There's, I mean, the uh, the pot smell wears off so fucking quickly that... Yeah, like, that's something like, I don't worry about as much. I, I smoke a bowl right before I go into an interview, and they can't smell shit, you know, versus somebody who smoked a cigarette an hour ago and drank a beer right before they fucking got in the shower. Yeah, come on, dude. Don't get... Don't get shit twisted, okay? Because there's no fucking feasible way that marijuana is as detrimental to human beings as any other drug. I don't give a fuck what it is. Tylenol, nicotine, fucking alcohol, whatever. It's not near as detrimental as any of those drugs. I'll tell you what. I have arthritis in my hand. Like I, I fucked up both of my hands pretty bad, and I, I have a lot of other joint pain and stuff like that. I've blown out both my knees. I've stopped smoking for 10 days here and there before, and it's pure hell. No, it I, is, and how 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 long did it take for the dreams came? Oh, see, here's the thing. I have lucid dreams. Not lucid, but uh, very vivid dreams on and off. Well, so do I, but the thing is... It just that, changes gears. No, it, it changes, and, and whenever I spend three days off, then I get really fucked up. They're lucid, but they're fucked up. They're not positive. They're not... Uh, oh. They're not happy. Even even on, I, I have, like, uh, I don't know, it's weird. I joke about it to my girlfriend. I call them nightmare pants. If I wear, like, a thick flannel pants under like a heavy blanket and my legs sweat like if I get sweaty when I sleep 
I have a nightmare. Like, it turns into a bad dream for me because, like, I'm in, you know, I'm, I'm fighting the fact that my legs oh. are hot as fuck. Dude, and it you're feels lucky. like my legs are in, like, jello. I can't run away from the bad guy in my dream. What, what really sucks is that, for some reason, like, that's one of the reasons that I shave my head is that I sweat at night, dude. I mean... I, I get night sweats. I don't, I don't fucking get it. Like, my pillow wake... I, I wake up and my pillow is just fucking soaked. And, uh... But I find that that happens most whenever I have shitty dreams. Well, yeah. I, I only have shitty dreams whenever I don't smoke. So... I mean, to me, it, it seems like, because whenever I was growing up, okay, uh, you know, 14, 15, 16, in later podcasts, I'm sure I'll get into why I'm so fucked up, but right now, let's just say that I was fucked up as a kid, right? And I would sweat every fucking night, dude, and I'd, I'd have these night tremors, and I would fall out of the bed, and... All these crazy shit, right? Started smoking pot, guess what? No moss, right? So, to me, it it seems like a, uh, a legitimate source to cure certain problems. No, I totally feel you on that. Like, I, I was the exact same way. Like, I... Fuck, man. I used to have so much problem. I started smoking weed at, like, 17. And then, like, it started to go away. But I've been steady at it since 17. I'm 31 I mean, now. I don't, I don't necessarily know that I would call it addict, dude. No, I, I didn't say addict. Oh, okay. I've been steady at it. Okay, okay. Now, I was about to say, I was like, don't, don't, give us, don't give us that reputation. No, no. <laughs> I've been steady at it gotcha. since I was 17. So, but I, there, there have been times, like I said, where, where I've stopped, and, like, the dreams do get worse. Like, and, and one of the times where I stopped, I was in jail, or two of the times. Yeah, well, one of the times was one of the ones where I had the worst dream. And that was, but that was, I was addicted to cigarettes, and I also smoked weed every day. Yeah. And I drank probably every day, up to then, too. Do you drink every day now? Every other day? Yeah, it's pretty much my thing. Like, whenever I got out of the Navy, dude, I was drinking every, every day. Like... No, I've been there. I've I've been both. I've, like I've been every every day. I've been every other day. I got into my accident like two years ago. I stopped drinking for seven months because of a drunk driving accident where I was completely yeah. shit faced. Flipped my car, flipped my truck, flew out, landed on my face, slid to a stop, ripped half my face off, or you know. At least that's what it looked like right then. Yeah. So now I just, I have a scar that runs right through my eye here. Yeah. Which is, it's kind of a funny story because as a kid, in every movie you see, the bad guy has a scar, a scar right through his eye. Like through his eyebrow, through his eye, and then it goes down below. 
Were, were you with Joe at the time? No. But I was at I was at a wedding uh, reception for my cousin. I left that and I went to the bar. Last thing I remember, I was at the bar. I woke up in the hospital. But uh, at the long uh, long story short, I tried to take a curve way too fast, hit a telephone pole, went through it. Like, just knocked out the bottom 10 foot of a telephone pole, hit a couple of small trees, rolled my truck a few times, I flew out, I landed on my face, and I slid about 70 feet, and then someone found me in the road, and then called the ambulance. But I was only in the hospital for five hours because I had lost my job like two months before that, and I didn't have medical insurance. And they were like, you're stable. You can go. Obamacare, bitch. I, well, I didn't know what hospital I was in until they wheeled me out of it. I was like, oh, I thought, I, oh, oh, we're out over here? I thought we were in the other hospital. And they're like, no. I'm like, okay. Whatever. And well, the doctor told my parents I didn't have a concussion. How do you fly out of a car and slide 70 <laughs> feet and not have face. a concussion? Wait, on your face. Yeah, like, well, of course, but, I mean, I'm just saying. Just the airbag concussion, right? Oh, yeah. No seat, no seat belt. So just the airbag, I'm saying concussion. Then the shit rolls, and I fly out and then land on my face. Were you wearing your seatbelt? No. And I always wore my seatbelt. This was a, like I said, my, my memory was like, I'm in the bar, I'm in the hospital. Yeah. So there was no, there was no, I was driving. Yeah. Oh, I hey, definitely talking, understand that. Hey, I'm like, hey, I'm talking to people. Hey, why is it so bright in here? And why are my family all around me? And then I was like, I saw the back of my hands were all fucked up. Like, it just looked like someone had cheese-grated the back above my hand. And I was like, what the fuck? And then when I went to say, what the fuck, I felt my face hurt real bad. And I was like, and I reached for my face, and everyone in my family that was standing around me, don't touch your face! And I was like, oh, no. Because I'm a vain motherfucker. And like uh, I'm not uh, afraid to admit that. Like I thought, I'm like, yeah, I look all right. And then, and then they all yelled that, and I was like, oh shit, I just fucked up my face. Like I don't have, I don't have a college degree. That was pretty much, that was my ticket. Oh fuck, I just ripped that up. <laughs> Dude, now I gotta have. We're definitely fucking glad you survived it. Uh... Man, that's fucking crazy. I, I know I heard you. Uh, I heard you talk to Ray about that story. That was fucking back in March or something like that. But still, yeah. For those of of my listeners who have yeah, for those for those of my listeners who have not heard this story, uh, take heed. I mean, do not drink and drive. Don't don't even consider getting behind the wheel. Something. I could have killed someone, and that, that's, I was more worried about that after, like, even 
when, I, like I said, I was a vain motherfucker and I worried about my face. Before I was worried about that, honestly, I, I was worried, you know, I didn't, did I hurt someone? You know, one time, they, one time, one time. If I killed someone, I'd have died. Yeah, well, yeah, definitely one way or the other, of course. And one of the things that bothers me is one night I was, uh, I was drinking Everclear and, uh, this is whenever I was married, uh, I've been divorced for a few years now, but I was married for seven years and I, I drank, uh, Everclear one night and I don't remember this, but, uh, from what I understand, I got behind the wheel of the truck and then slammed it into a telephone pole and uh, got out. And I was like, you know what? If that didn't work, I'll fucking find another way to kill myself. So I was apparently in a fucking horrible place, plus drinking fucking Everclear. Not a good idea, you know? So I definitely understand where you're coming from as far as, you know, worrying about what you could have done to other people because – the next morning, I was like, man, what if I had gotten onto the highway or something? You know? What if I hadn't smashed into that fucking telephone pole? Right? What if I would gotten on the road, and then what? You know? Then then it's on me. And I have a really good friend of mine who, uh, his parents are pretty wealthy, and um, they actually have the uh, University of North Texas. Their library is named after his family. And... Uh, he ended up leaving the ghost bar down in Dallas one night, too drunk, and then rode the wrong way down I-35 and killed four people. And he's still in prison, and that was six years ago. Uh, you know, that was all because of alcohol. And I can honestly say that there's never been a time when I was like, man, I was way too high to drive. Like, no. no. Like, <laughs> Wait, no, I shouldn't say that. I, I no high as in what, with what, marijuana. It, like yeah, exactly. When I was sixteen, I remember one of the first times I got high, and then I drove. It was the craziest thing, but also it was one of the first times I got high. And you shouldn't even like, even though we're, we're saying it, it's easy to drive high. You, you shouldn't drive never, high. You should never drive impaired at all. You you should not drive high. But I'm saying, I'm saying I could, I could pass any goddamn driving test you want high as fuck now. Oh, yeah. Especially. But one of the first times I ever got high, like real high, I, I drove and it felt like my, I was flying, but I was only going like 10 and I'm like, oh my god, what's going on? But no, that was, that, again, that was, you know, I was 16 and I just got, Really high for the first time. And like I said, the first time I ever hit a bong, I was over at my buddy's house. I hit this bong, and it was like a three different tiered graphics bong, like with hoses and shit all over it. I never even hit a bong before, so I was like, what the fuck is this? Right. He's like, it's ki- it's killer. <laughs> and I'm like, do it. What, what you? He's like, that's the name of the bong, killer, hit it. And I, I hit it, I was high as fuck, and then all of a sudden he's like, hey man, uh, my tarantula got loose yesterday, <laughs> so 
If you see this fucking, if you see a giant spider, don't Just kill him. Just let me know. <laughs> don't, don't kill him. I, I never hit a bomb. I, this is probably the third time I'd ever been really high before. And I was like, well, time to go. Okay. I, I went from like leaning back on the couch to like sitting up like, okay. Now I'm like staring everywhere. I'm like, uh, I was probably there about 15 more minutes and I was like, dude, I gotta go. I gotta go. Feeling shit crawling on you. Oh, the whole time. But I fucking tarantula. He's like, no, it's cool. It's cool. No, it's cool for you, motherfucker. Yeah, he's like, he's not, he's not mean. I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm not used to this whole getting high thing. I'm still a little kid. (laughs) Cause really, I I don't give a fuck. At 16, you're still a little kid. Oh, of course. Yeah. You shouldn't be getting high. I shouldn't have been getting high. I shouldn't have been in this dude's apartment smoking bongs. And then him telling me that he's got a fucking poisonous spider loose in his house, the size of my fist. Shit happens, dude. Shit happens. So, uh, where are, do you have another gig coming up or? I have a gig coming up December 7th at Avenue Q in Finley, Ohio. Awesome. It's uh, gonna be five different comedians for five dollars. What? Five comedians for five bucks. Awesome. And where where can they uh is there a website that they can go to check you out or uh if you're on Facebook, yeah, look up Avenue Q or look up Keith Spurlock and then you'll find it uh just on my page or whatever. I just I just put up the link today, so Awesome, awesome. Uh and where can people find you on Twitter? At Keith Spurlock one K E I T H S P U R L O C K one. Awesome, dude. Well, I definitely appreciate you coming on. Uh, <clears throat> the first thirty minutes were definitely uh, informative and useful for me. You know, trying to get on stage and things like that. I really appreciate it. Uh, love to have you on again whenever Monica's here. She's at work, but uh, yeah, yeah she's at work right now too. Yeah, so whenever Joe's at home and uh, Monica's here, then we should definitely do a uh, constant confusion with the four of us. Right on. All right, dude. Well, I appreciate it, and thank you for coming on. Hey, no problem. Uh, Thank you to everyone else out there that's listening, uh, all the Death Squad people. Uh, We'll talk to you later.